coming up on Philosophy Talk. Auto, a red traffic light means what? <laughs> no time for brain teasers. Seeing red, the world in color. Blue flower, red thorns, blue flower, red thorns, blue flower, red thorns. This would be so much easier if I wasn't colorblind. Where is color? In the object? In the mind? Or is it somewhere in between? How do I know that the colors you see are the same as the colors that I see? Maybe what I see as red, you perceive as green. We should be writing this stuff down. But I see your true colors shining through. I see your true colors, and that's why I love... Would there still be colors in the world if there was no one around to see them? Our guest is Jonathan Cohen from UC San Diego. Seeing Red, the world in color. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the colorful studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where Ken and I profess philosophy. Today, it's seeing red, the metaphysics of color. Is color in the eye of the beholder, or is color objectively real? Would colors still exist in the world even if no one was around to see them? Well, John, I think the answer to this is kind of obvious because well, think of all the different animals and the differences in how they see color. Some don't see color at all. Some see just a few colors. Others see lots of colors. Monkeys, for example, see red, but they see it quite poorly. Birds and bees see colors way up into the ultraviolet range. Other animals see colors way down into the infrared range. Humans are blind to both of those extremes. So... Of course, isn't it obvious? Color is obviously in the eye of the beholder. Not so fast, Ken. I mean, I grant you the beholder needs eyes, and different animals are capable of seeing different colors. But all of that doesn't imply that color is merely in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, but ask yourself the next question. Which of these animals see the world's true colors? Well, I think all of them do. The, the world is awash in all sorts of colors. It's no surprise that different animals have evolved to see different parts of the total color spectrum. Yeah, but there's more than that going on, John, because different observers can see different colors given the very same light as inputs. Not because of any difference in what's out there in the world, but solely because of differences in their visual systems, ergo eye, colors in the eye of the beholder. So, your argument, you think that because perceived color is relative, then actual color isn't objectively real. Well, actually, it's more than that, because I think I reject the very distinction you just made between perceived color and actual color. Color is just perceived color. Ken, uh, you're just confused. You're thinking of color like pain. Now, perceived pain is just pain, no distinction. When a needle pricks my skin and hurts me, the pain is obviously totally subjective. It's caused by something in the world, but doesn't belong to something in the world. It would make no sense to ask, would the pain still be in the needle if no one was around to be pricked by it? Yeah, that's right, except now there is this thing. I am thinking of it like pain, except there is this difference. For some strange reason, which I can't figure out, with color, we have this persistent illusion that it is objectively out there, splattered all over the surfaces of things, but it's just an illusion. 
But, Ken, you have to admit that unlike pain, color certainly appears to be splattered all over. There's a difference. Why not take the appearance at face value? Well, I'll give you a proof, an argument. I'm going to perform a little thought experiment to make my point. Let's have two people run some water, say, over their hands, and then they're going to stick their hands into a pot of water at a fixed temperature, say, 70 degrees. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're losing the argument about color, and so now we're going to talk about water and temperature? No, 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 John. I'm exploiting an analogy. I I promise you, I promise you on my, all that's holy, (laughs) it's going to help me prove how wrong you are about color. But you have to bear with me for just a second, please. All right, all right. Okay, continue. so, So we got that pot of water at 70 degrees. Now, let's have the first person run cold water at 35 degrees, say, over her hand. And let's have the second person run hot water at, say, 100 degrees over her hand. Now, what do you think is going to happen when they both stick their hands back into the water? What, what, what do you think they're going to experience? Well, that's pretty obvious, Ken. The one who's been running cold water over their hand, when they stick it in the lukewarm water in the pot, is going to experience that water not as lukewarm, but as hot. And the one who's been running hot water is going to experience the lukewarm water as really cool. Right, and that's even though the water has a fixed temperature. Now, why is that? That's because, John, the perceived coolness or hotness of the water, it's totally totally in the hand of the observer. Sure, we're, we're, we have this propensity to project the coolness or hotness onto the water itself, but it's not really there. And I think it's the same with color. Color is totally in the eye of the beholder, too, but just like with coldness or hotness, we mistakenly project it out into the world. But your own argument itself turns on a distinction between the subjective perception of coolness or hotness and its objective correlate temperature. So aren't you making my point for me? You are saying that we need to distinguish perceived color, which can vary depending on the state of the observer, from objective color, which is like temperature, fixed independently of the observer. No, color is totally different from temperature. There is no objective correlate. There is a cause out there, but it's not the objective correlate. All there is to being red, John, is looking red. It makes no sense whatsoever to say that something objectively red looks differently to different observers. Makes no sense. Not true. A red surface illuminated by yellow light looks black, but it's still red. Ah, but that's just because we arbitrarily stipulate that the color something really is is the color it looks under white light. But that's just a convention. It's just a trick of language. That's not going to get color objective. Well, I see it's not going to be easy for me to talk you out of your radical color skepticism. Or for me to talk you out of your naive color realism. So let's call a temporary ceasefire and hear a report from our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esch. We asked her to go out and explore the neuroscience of color perception, and she files this report. What is color? Color is a form of expression. Color is an innate visual language and a unique experience to all of us. Color is tied to the observer in that, without eyes and brains, does color exist? Color is a mental experience. Steve Chevelle is a professor at the University of Chicago, where he studies color vision. Color is not in light. Color is not in objects. Color is in our mental representations of how we bring in the outside world. Chevelle says a lot of what we know about color comes from studying those who don't see color normally. About 8% of men don't see the same colors as nearly all women and the other 92% of men. 
they're actually missing something in the eye that sends color information along to the brain. See, color perception is a complex interaction between the environment, the eye, and the brain. It's also an experience that depends a lot on context. So if you take a white shirt and view it under sunlight on a bright sunny day, everyone would agree it looks bright white. But if you go inside to a living room with a typical tungsten screw and light bulb, the wavelengths coming off that shirt would make it look orange-yellow. Of course, we don't see orange-yellow, and that's because the brain is recalculating, recomputing what the environment is and taking that into account so that we experience a color of an object that's constant. Basically, every single artist who works in color is struggling with how it is that the brain represents color. Bevel Conway is an artist and visual neuroscientist at Wellesley College. He says to understand how color works in context, look at novice art students. They have no trouble painting the contour of an apple, and they can color match or mix red paint to match the apple. But what the artists or the novices find very difficult, and in fact experienced artists find very difficult as well, is how to then get that apple to look right in context. A red apple may look right on a blank white canvas, but... When they get around to thinking about what they're going to do in the background, they put these colors almost randomly in the background, and those colors completely change the appearance of the apple to the point where, you know, the student doesn't like what they've done anymore. There are optical illusions that mimic this experience. A line might look light pink or dull orange depending on the colors surrounding it, when in fact they're the exact same color. Great artists like Matisse figured out a way around this phenomenon. Essentially what he does is he leaves bits of the canvas blank between his painted marks. And what that enables him to do is to protect the colored marks against chromatic induction. Chromatic induction, of course, is when colors change based on the colors around them. Claude Monet was also an expert in color. His impressionistic paintings capture white by mixing a variety of colors. How is it that he manages to get, you know, the white of a woman's dress um, to look like a cohesive item of clothing, um, yet comprised of mottled patches of blue and pink and green and so on? Conway says when an artist paints a landscape, she's working backwards to unravel the way our brains perceive color and make us feel like we're looking at the real thing. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Esch.